Welcome to the first episode of the Good Wine Law podcast in 2021. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Joined today by Karen Young, one of the attorneys in our Indianapolis office here at Good Wine Law. Hey, Karen. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Great. Great. So um, before we jump into this, why don't you just give us a quick introduction about what you do and maybe what you've been up to over the last 12 months or so? Absolutely. So I'm a corporate attorney in the Indianapolis office at Gutwine Law, and I do a lot of work with businesses and nonprofits of all sizes here at Gutwine Law. And like everyone else, was impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. And so back in March, talked with the partners here at Food Wine Law and started diving in with another attorney or two and some paralegals in, in the office and at some of our other offices at Good Wine Law and started researching the legal aspects, legislation being passed down and working to find answers for our clients related to how their businesses, nonprofits, employees, and employers were going to be impacted by the regulations and legislation coming down related to COVID-19, the pandemic, and all of the EIDL and employee paid leave and EFMLEA and all of the regulations and alphabet soup that came down. It was a lot to navigate. It came out fast and furious. It was constantly changing and it was a lot to keep up with. And so that's what I spent a lot of time doing as you know, <laughs> in 2020 and building a new web page to host all of that and post and post a lot of content to go out to clients. And I was on a lot of webinars to answer the questions that people had. Great. Yeah, thanks for that introduction. So let's jump in and, and let's talk a little bit about where we are now. You want to start by just telling us what it was like working with clients in 2020, you know, some of the stuff that we worked on with them and, and how you helped navigate that? Absolutely. So the first calls we got from clients related to clients of ours that had venues that were starting to shut down. People were canceling events, large events at first. People were canceling their weddings. We had clients that were wedding planners, clients that had businesses that related to, they weren't colleges, our clients weren't called the colleges and universities, but they had events or offered services that took place primarily at colleges and universities. And colleges and universities were starting to send students home much earlier in 2020 than a lot of businesses and schools, elementary and high schools were doing. Colleges and universities, especially here in Indiana, were shutting down and sending students home at spring break time, which is earlier than other school, you know, than younger younger students. And so anyone that was having had a business or service that related and interacted with colleges and universities was shutting down much quicker. So what were they going to do and how were they going to furlough employees and what did that look like? And although, you know, sometimes employers can get a bad rap for a variety of things, it's not really the case. And employers facing massive layoffs or furloughs is is a very hard thing to face and and deal with and how to do it well and how to care for their employees in the best way that they can. So walking folks through that. And then small businesses small offices like realtors, hair salons, sole proprietorships, landscaping companies, construction businesses, things like that, that might not have a lot of employees, but they are high dollar amounts and what to do there, how to start applying for COVID relief, what was possible. And then it bled into businesses and clients that saw supply chain affect 
crossing state lines, global supply chain effect and where that started halting. So then furloughing large employee bases. And then the questions started coming with the PPP, how to apply for the PPP, who they could keep on staff, how they could keep on staff, schools starting to shut down, EFMLEA, employees getting sick, what to do, policies, redrafting employment handbooks, temporary leave, sending staff home, hybrid policies. It got into policies really quickly. Thankfully, we have myself and at least one other attorney here who do some employment law as well. And so we were rewriting employee handbooks, telework policies, and, you know, work from home, return to work, COVID policies, and and how to handle that. So there was this progression, all that went fairly quickly of trying to keep up with clients, predict what clients were going to need, and get answers for clients who were in the midst of crises with their employees, sometimes with their, their own selves. Sometimes personally, I had I have a client who's a CEO, but also cares for her own parents in her home. So she's a caregiver of her parents who are over, you know, in their senior years, very high risk of getting COVID, and she runs a business. So she had it at work and at home, dealing with all these issues and wanting to be cognizant of that and care for and recognize all that she was grappling with and getting her answers as quickly as possible. Great. Yeah, a lot, a lot of moving parts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so back in March, right, it was it was a little bit, I would say confusing, but it was difficult to navigate which businesses would be getting relief and what that looked like. And so can you talk me through what businesses and nonprofits were eligible to start receiving COVID-19 back in March of 2020? Yeah, the relief packages work. I think I think confusing is a good word, Sean. And it was as business owners and nonprofits alike can attest, working with the government during good times and in calm situations is trying at best and not always smooth. So working with the government under these circumstances and in these pandemic situations with so many moving parts and so many restrictions and people not accessible and things changing day to day was even worse. And everyone involved in the pieces would, you know, hold up their hands and say, this is as far, this is what we know so far, it's likely to change tomorrow. And so as we sit here on February 1st, a lot of what we know, we know as of right now, and we would have to change our, you know, we'd have to be changing what we posted on our articles and our blog posts from week to week because it wasn't the same anymore. And the SBA would finally catch up with what Congress had passed and they would update their site with better information or updated applications for it to help businesses or they had rolled something out, it didn't work. So they tried it again. And so people who had already applied had to reapply or figure something else out. And we wanted to get that information to our clients. That if you've already done it, you need to redo what you've applied for so that you don't miss an opportunity. And they did that with a $10,000 grant early on. And one of the changes that's come out in PPP round two relates to that first $10,000 grant. And so early on, the eligibility really related to your business had to have been in existence at least by February 15th. So the idea being the government didn't want anyone setting up a new business during 
the COVID relief packet just to just to take advantage of the COVID relief package. So starting a business on March 15th just to apply for this forgivable loan, which is understandable and wanting wanting anyone to profit from it. The point of the COVID relief is to was to help small businesses and nonprofits pay their workers, pay their employees, and keep their operations running during this coronavirus crisis, not knowing, no one knowing how long it would last. The individual businesses and nonprofits that were eligible eligible were small for-profit businesses, tax-exempt nonprofits that were small, veterans organizations, even tribal organizations, self-employed individuals, sole proprietorships, and even independent contractors. So 1099 individuals that ran their own business as a for-profit, not a sole proprietorship, but they just took 1099 income. And so the borrower had to have 500 or fewer employees, but they would self-certify that they didn't have access to other capital. And that's where things got sticky. So several public companies tried applying and did successfully apply for the first round of PPP. And about a month into PPP, details and news stories started coming out that public companies had applied and successfully gotten loans that were forgivable of up to $10 million from the PPP. And the argument being the PPP was supposed to help small businesses pay their workers and stay afloat because they couldn't get access to other capital. A public company is not typically defined as a small business and it has hundreds if not thousands of shareholders. That right there is their access to additional capital. So they shouldn't be needing to go after PPP forgivable loans and take that from small businesses. So in the second round of PPP funding, the loans are capped at $2 million and public companies are expressly prohibited from applying in the second round of PPP. So Congress has figured out some of the loopholes that were created in the funding and they're cutting off some of those avenues for abuse or businesses and nonprofits taking advantage of getting at funds that were supposed to be meant for small businesses and nonprofits to keep individuals covered and payroll covered so that the unemployment rosters weren't filled up with trying to keep people in their jobs at work and businesses afloat during this time. So as you mentioned, we're talking on February 1, 2021. Things are changing so rapidly. So, you know, something could be different tomorrow. But why don't you tell us as of today, what are the things that we know? How did we get here? Right. So the last thing that's come down is December 27th. The last bill that President Trump signed regarding COVID relief was called the COVID-19 relief package. He signed it went into effect December 27th of 2020. It was $900 billion relief package. It will spread that $900 billion throughout 2021 through like September. It includes lots of relief. Many of us have heard about the $600 checks that individuals will be getting, depending on your tax bracket, et cetera. Covers a lot of things. But for our clients, Goodwine covers lots of businesses and nonprofits that we work with. Part of that relief package included an act called the Economic Aid to hard hit small businesses, nonprofits, and venue act. They're very long named acts. That act, if you if you caught it, it includes venues. So that's something different in this act. The the act covered, you know, theaters, live theaters, concert halls, etc. So they carved off some funds to go towards 
recognizing that the arts community and live venues are been have been very hardly hit hard hit and shuttered and so there are grants that will be forgivable again either loans or grants that if the funds are used appropriately they'll be forgivable i want to be careful in what i say because there are a lot of very specific requirements in each of the ways that one of one of you companies or businesses or nonprofits out there uses these monies and if you use them properly they can be completely forgivable but if you don't then they become a one percent loan so i want to caution you it's not just free money you have to use them appropriately and, and account for them and apply for forgiveness within the required time frame but that said so in this act of the $900 billion of relief, $325 billion of that is again going into helping the hardest hit small businesses, nonprofits, and venues. And $284 of that $325 billion is, is again refilling the Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP, called Round 2.0. So we put out a blog post and a summary article on our webpage with all of the specific details. And the applications for the PPP round two are open now. Even if you applied for the first time, you may be eligible to apply for a second round if you can show that you lost enough up to like 25% revenue quarter over quarter 2019 to 2020. So if you follow the formula, your company or nonprofit could potentially apply again. So look into that if you already received one round of funding. If your company or nonprofit didn't apply the first time or was rejected the first time, you may be able to apply in this round as well. And applications are open through March 31st of 2021. So you can get those in and we'll have links to the applications for this round on our webpage as well. And so the eligibility is very, very similar to the first round. But again, like I said earlier, there are expanded eligibility for certain nonprofits that weren't included earlier. Again, public companies are excluded and the max loan is 2 million, but additional types of nonprofits. So humor me real quick, Sean, I wanna read these out. The nonprofits that were not included before that are included in this second round are 501c6 organizations. So that's a big difference. That includes your chambers of commerce, business leagues, real estate boards and organizations such as that, trade groups, they have been excluded in the past in PPP. So those organizations are now included, couldn't be included in this round. Nonprofit destination marketing organizations or DMOs that have fewer than 300 employees and receive less than 15% of their gross receipts and expenses from lobbying activities from um, the tax year that ended February 15th. So if you're a DMO out there and that's you, you can potentially apply. And then housing cooperatives with 300 or fewer employees and news organizations with 500 or fewer employees at any physical location that's a for-profit and then any nonprofit public broadcasting entity can apply doesn't matter the size of employees so those are some differences on the nonprofits and then on the news organizations for-profits that were not eligible that were excluded in the former ppp round that are included in this round that i find Quite interesting, so you know about that. Great, yeah, thanks for that, Karen. So, in addition to just eligibility, right, there were some other clarifications made for round two of the PPP program. Oh, right, thanks for pointing that out, Sean. Correct. So, in the CARES Act that first laid out 
PPP and the EIDL, there were lots of different confusions, like I said, that exacerbated accountants and lawyers and bankers and our clients alike. And a lot of the Small Business Administration and Congress and folks worked together to try and close some of those loopholes. So I'll again point you to our website and articles that have a lot of the details to that you can read up on. And I even linked to the IRS where you can clarify some of these. But I think one of the most important that folks out there that are employers need to hear about is the employee retention credit. The employee retention credit has been extended and expanded. It's available through June 30th of 2021. And all employers need to pay attention to this because you may now get tax credits through June 30th of 2021, but you can't use the same wages for the tax credit as you used PPP funds for. So this will affect when you should apply for your PPP loan forgiveness because you want to use all the tax credits you can and not necessarily PPP funding. So a company or a nonprofit might want to delay applying for loan forgiveness until you've received all your employee retention tax credits so that you apply for your loan forgiveness with the right calculation of your 60, 40, 60% of payroll, 40% of expenses properly. So that is retroactive to the effective date of the first wages paid after March 12th, 2020. So it's very technical. You need to maybe speak with your payroll department, your accounting team, et cetera. But that's something that all employers need to pay attention to. And then again, I mentioned this earlier. Another point that was clarified is that if you received your company or a nonprofit that received the an EIDL grant of up to $10,000 in the first round of PPP that was issued, those grants are no longer required to reduce your PPP loan forgiveness. Rather, that's now truly a grant, which is a really nice benefit if you received that. Another clarification is that expenses that businesses and nonprofits bore to seek PPP loan forgiveness are considered deductible for federal tax purposes. So you'll need to know that by your filing for taxes this year in 2021 for 2020. So they clarified that in the act. So there are some some other nuggets like that in this act that make it simpler and more predictable and clean up some of the, the loose ends for businesses and companies. Thanks, Karen. So from the employee side, if I remember correctly, there were some benefits early on about employees having the ability to stay home and care for a loved one who's been impacted by COVID-19. Are those benefits still in existence? That's another question that I've gotten a couple of calls from yet this year from clients because sure enough, the pandemic didn't stop on December 31st like the laws did. And I've had a couple of clients that have had employees be sick and where do they stand? So the Families First Coronavirus Relief Act, FFCRA, is what was passed with the EFMLEA and the Employee Paid Sick Leave Act, EPSLA. And so fortunately, in December, Congress also approved a Consolidated Appropriations Act. So that extended the 100% payroll tax credit to employers so they can provide that paid time off and get that payroll tax credit back for offering that paid time off. However, Congress did not continue the mandate, meaning employers may 
give that paid time off to employees, but they're not required to any longer like they were when the the family's first coronavirus response act was first passed back in March. It was required to. Obviously, employers don't want the sickness to spread around their workforces, but they will still receive the tax credit benefit if they choose to allow employees to take the paid time off. But the employers don't want to have to debate whether or not an employee is lying. And I've been in the situations where I've spoken to some employers that are in that situation. I don't think that the majority of a business's employee pool has employees lying about whether they're taking fake sick leave, but it does happen and it's very frustrating to employers when that happens. And I've spoken to some of of those employers and so the employers have the flexibility to not offer it. Um, And we'll see what happens as the year goes on with that. But that only lasts through March 31st, 2021, that the payroll tax credit, that that Appropriations Act extended it only through March 31st. So just to tie this up a little bit, can you tell me what else the $900 billion COVID-19 relief package will cover for businesses? Right. There was some individual relief in that package. But for our clients that are mostly businesses, they will see special charitable contribution provisions that were enacted in 2020 will now last through the end of 2021. There are some tax breaks extensions that some will be permanent that were going to expire at the end of 2020. Some of those some some of those tax breaks will at last permanently. There's a restoration of the 100% business meals deduction for two years that will help the restaurant industry was passed through through that relief act and then there was an extension of the time allotted for repayment of employee social security taxes that's also deferred through the end of 2021 there's a specific provision related to federal contractors i don't know how many of our listeners this will impact but a provision of the cares act allowed federal contractors to keep their employees on payroll even when the federal facility and job site was closed to contractor personnel that has been extended to December 31st, 2021. So for any of our listeners that have federal contracts, that extension also went into effect. So there's like a lot of these bills, there's a lot packed in the 5,000 or so pages that you have to read through. Yeah, that's a lot of information and there's still more to come. So tell me, Karen, as we mentioned, we're talking on February 1, 2021. As of today, What are some things that we don't know? So February 1st, the new administration has taken place past a variety of executive orders related to COVID-19. And before the Biden administration was even inaugurated, they presented the American Rescue Plan on January 14th. The plan is expected, that plan was expected in its original form to cost $1.9 trillion dollars. Obviously, (laughs) that received a lot of pushback. Just yesterday, January 31st, the Republicans responded, asked for a sit down, and they responded with a counterproposal that was only $600 billion. And that's only 32% of what President Biden's original plan plan asked for. So in the coming weeks, we're going to see a lot of back and forth, I can imagine. And we're going to wait until something actually gets inked and signed. Presumably, that will be before March 31st, when a lot of what is set to expire from 2020 March 31st is going to come out. And so hopefully I expect and can, you know, look into my crystal ball that's very cloudy. And I expect to see 
for the relief packages for businesses, I expect to see a lot more of the same. And these fixes and cleanups and, you know, some of the loose ends that the SBA and Congress have worked together to fix and loopholes to close. I hope those continue and I expect that they will. They have figured that out. For individuals, I don't think the formula has been found. I think the arguments over what individuals and families, what unemployment will look like, that will continue to be up for debate and be a lot in the news. I think you're going to continue to see this piece like the arts and venues that will continue to get more play and special treatment. I believe more funding will be earmarked specifically for schools and childcare facilities. I didn't mention that, but some of the funding in the $900 billion package went to childcare facilities. And I think the difference in some of the executive orders, and it won't affect businesses directly, but tackling the you know distribution of vaccines and herd immunity and tackling that and having individuals being able to be around one another once more will affect businesses again, then businesses can open up and people can get out and be healthy and it can, you know, look post COVID again. And that will lead to positive outlook for businesses again, financially and and economically and on a personal basis and professional basis. So I think that's what we don't know, but I'm hopeful for what that will look like. But I'm going to, you know, sit back and wait and see what this American Rescue Plan ends up being in the coming weeks. Yeah, thanks, Karen. Yeah, as I said, that's so much great information. Really appreciate you sharing that. It's so tough to navigate, so it's great to have you on top of everything for the firm and for our clients. So really appreciate your time. Great to be here. So that we'll sign off today. As we said, this topic changes all the time. So just to stay up with the latest information, you can find blog posts and articles on our website. It's gutweinlaw.com. Up in the right-hand corner, you'll see COVID-19 resources, and that's where you can find the latest information. If you have any specific questions, you can reach out to Karen, karen karen.young at gutweinlaw.com. In the meantime, you know, stay well. We'll be back here soon with a new episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening.